0: Morning, Shepherd's Gate, Pastor Tyler here. Uh, so good to be with you this morning. Uh, diving into into a set of parables that I think are just absolutely wonderful, and parables that relate not only to family of God, uh, but to uh, but to you all today as as well. So. When I was at Shepherd's Gate six years ago, maybe even seven years ago, you'll have to ask Pastor Tim, he's been here forever. Uh, I've been at Family of God for the last, gosh, eight years, I think, and I've been an ordained pastor uh, for the last year and a half at Family of God, serving as their associate pastor. Uh, Family of God is, is down here in Southwest Detroit. Our, our, two, main, our two main streets are, are Central and Werner, uh, right between uh, Dearborn and Mexican Town down here in Southwest Detroit. And, uh, and we've, been, we've been here at this location for about five and a half, almost six years. We are a relation-based ministry, just like Shepherd's Gate. We, we thrive on those relationships with people. So moving here to this location, you can see the, the sanctuary that, that is behind me. Uh, moving here was a huge step that God allowed for us to, uh, to make that happen and to continue this ministry where we get to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, all of the all of the, the Matthew 25 principles that Jesus talks about. The biggest thing that that family of God does is our food ministry, and and we get to serve food to our to our communities. It's usually it's six days a week that, that we serve food, and what we do is we couple the, the the food with a Bible study that follows. So anybody that comes to the family of God for food, they are always invited to stick around for Bible study. We don't make that a requirement because Jesus never required people to listen to him before he fed them or before he he spoke to them he, he said I, I want you I'm, I'm gonna feed you and then you kind of leave the rest up to the spirit so we, we do that through our through our four steps of compassion and service and witness and fellowship we just show love to people and and sit with them Like I said, talk with them let them know that they are valued that they are a person that has worth that they are a person that is not useless but it can actually be useful in in the spirit by the spirit and all of that eventually leads them to coming to the Bible study and being being a part of this greater fellowship of, of Christ. It's the biggest hurdle that we've had to to climb over, especially in these last you know 18 months or, or whatever, uh, you know, we've really been been hit hard financially. Uh, our with not necessarily the church, but the, the, our people they, they've been, not been able to to buy food, they've not been able to uh, to just provide just for basic needs, more so than, than normal. Shepherd's Gate has been has been a really big help during this time. We had a couple of the volunteers that made lunch bags for our street ministry, that's one of the other ministries that we get to do here, uh, and Shepherd's Gate played a part of that with making lunch bags for us to send to people to carry out on the streets. Uh, we have, a, we have a, a team that's led by uh, Michelle Saltman. She, she comes down and brings some, some of her family and, and her friends to, to come down and serve a meal one of the days. They're down here I think the fourth Wednesday of, of every month. Um, she also serves on our board, so it's great to have some Shepherd's Gate uh, influence there. Uh, Pat and Chris Kevich, Paul and Marcy Stickle, they're, they're active volunteers here, uh, and, and you guys support, support them. And by, by supporting them, you're supporting us, and so that's been really good. Uh, one of the other things that we've really appreciated, too, is it seems like whenever we get into a financial bind, Shepherd's Gate is always one of the first churches to provide some, some, uh, some relief for us, which has been really, really uh, good as well. So thank you for that, because if you give to Shepherd's Gate, you are then giving to us and we are putting that, that to good use. One of the ways that I would really encourage you to, to be a part of this ministry, come down and see come and just hang out with us on, a, on an evening, a weeknight, whatever works for your schedule, and, and just to see, just to hang out with our people. That's, that is the most important thing that we can do as fellow Christians, as we minister to people, as we live lives of vocation, is to simply talk and chat and be with people, you know, be the presence of, of Christ to folks who really, really need it. The reason that Family of God is flourishing is because of congregations like Shepherd's Gate congregations that have devoted themselves to uh, to praying for us, that have devoted themselves to financially supporting us, that have devoted themselves to physically supporting us. Just being a supporting ministry, we cannot do what we do without congregations like Shepherd's Gate. And So on behalf of Pastor Jim and, and our vicar, vicar Nick, who's new, and all of our volunteers, all the people that, that come to Family of God, whether they're volunteering or they live in the community and Family of God is their home, we thank you. And we are so grateful for all of you. And I'd really encourage you to come down and see us uh, because we're serving Christ. And that's really at the core of what this ministry is. It's a compassion-based ministry, serving Christ by serving our brother and sister. So I look forward to seeing you all coming down to family of God to hang out with our folks.
1: Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here today. Thank you for joining us in person. Those of you that are joining us online, thanks for tuning in, or maybe you're watching later on demand. Thanks for giving up an hour of your week. Uh, Here at Shepherd's Gate, we just know and trust that God has something for you this week. And uh, not only did we get to hear an update from Tyler, I'm so excited that Tyler is actually with us this morning, and he's actually going to be starting this new sermon series Uh, that that we've created. He's going to be kicking it off for us and you get to hear just a little bit more from him. Uh, So we are just thrilled to have you here today. Uh, For his sake, since he didn't know, he was our intern in 2015. So I did tell him he should tattoo that on his arm, don't you think? (laughs) Because let's be honest, that was probably the best six months of his life. Living here, breathing here, eating here, getting to know people, learning ministry. And what a joy it is for us to have interns. We love interns. We love Zane, who's our current intern, Uh, to be able to have them come back because it was 2015, you graduated uh, from school. And then 2019, you married your best friend, Brandy. And so we just rejoice in what God is doing in your life in that regard. And then, as he said in the video, just this last year, going through the process to become an ordained pastor. And so uh, we just are thrilled at what God continues to do in and through Tyler and his family and the ministry that God has called him to at Family of God. So after he was ordained, he was officially called to serve as associate pastor in that congregation. And so today, uh, I get to announce for the very first time, introduce him as Pastor Tyler Cronkite. So will you please help (laughs) welcome... Pastor Tyler Cronkite. Uh, it is good to be with you
0: all. Uh, before before we do get started, um, I do want to ask uh, Nick to just stand for a minute. Uh, Nick, is, Nick is our vicar. Uh, yeah. And for those, of you, for those of you that don't know, you can sit down. Uh, for those of you that don't know, a, a vicar is kind of like a pastoral intern. So Nick has been at the seminary for two years. He's going to spend the next year of his life uh, <laughs> with, with us at, uh, at Family of God. And then he'll actually go back to the seminary for another year to kind of uh, fine-tune those skills that weren't quite fine-tuned at, uh, at the Family of God. So he's been, he's been a joy for us to, to, to have. He's been helping out with, uh, with our street ministry uh, and, and really excited to see w- what the next uh, next year is going to be. So I just wanted to, if you see someone else that might be associated with Family of God, you might think, well, hey, that's a, that's a it's a new person. That's who that is. So, uh, before we uh, before we get started, I would like to. This is how I, I begin all my sermons. I uh, would just like to bow our heads again and just to focus on um, on God's word. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the, the life that you give to us through your Son Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that as we meditate on that word, that life giving word, we pray that the meditations of our hearts, Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth that they would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, help us to become more than just hearers of that word, but doers of it as well. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're kicking off a new series, and I, I love being uh, the, the pastor or the speaker that kicks off a new series because it means that I get to pretend that I had something to do with the series. And so I put a lot of time and effort into this is how we roll. I know Tim didn't come up with this because it's clever, right? So... <laughs> I loved you. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a great, it's a great series. So what it's doing is it's, it's going to be reminding you all, reminding Shepherd's Gate, reminding us as a church body who we are as Christians, what is our goal, what is our purpose for gathering together, what is our reason for being a church and being followers of Jesus. This is what this, is what this series is going to do. It's going to be a helpful reminder hopefully for us leading into uh, Shepherds Gates' uh, Step Out and Serve event at the end of the month. And in order to do that, we're going to continue to go through the various parts of Shepherds Gates' uh, vision statement. And before we do that, I do want to share again, so if you're unfamiliar with it, Shepherds Gates' mission statement is this. It's short, it's sweet, and it's to the point. We, you, exist to impact the world with the love of Jesus. Amen, right? That's, that, that's a good thing, not just for Shepherd's Gate, but for the, 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 just the, ter- the church body in general. We exist, we are here to serve Jesus and to show others the love of Christ. So how is it then that we do this? So this is where Pastor Tim's vision statement, and along with the help of everyone else that helped to form this, probably a great, a big deal of, of putting this into, into place. So there's three different parts so over the next three weeks, you guys will be going through each of these three parts. We will value everyone that we meet. We will influence everywhere that we go, and we will live generously. Thank you, Thrivent, with everything that we have. Pastor Tim said that he checked with Thrivent, so there won't be any, uh, any lawsuits for the live generously tag. So vision statement, very, very good. So we have the mission statement. What is it? Why is it that we exist? And now the vision statement is why—or, sorry— Mission statement is why, vision statement is how, and so we look at this first part of valuing everyone and kind of what this looks like. We will make sure that everyone who walks through our doors feels welcomed, valued, loved, and part of the Shepherd's Gate family. We will be a place for people to call home and connect with friends who become like family. We will be great neighbors, and I embolden this purposely, and intentionally pursue relationships with people outside of our church. We will listen closely, speak gracefully, and love everyone. It's a pretty good explanation, right? It's a pretty good vision statement, pretty good idea of, of why we exist and how we do that. Now, the reason that I, that I, that I put this in bold, intentionally pursuing relationships, is because that's what Christ does for us. Christ seeks us first. He comes after us first. And if you look at these, this set of parables in Luke 15, and if you want to even couple this with Matthew 18, and talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant, you can lump these together as parables of grace. And what you see is the intentionality of the Father's pursuit for you. And that's where all of this begins. That's the foundation for any mission statement, for any vision statement, it's that Christ moved first. Christ acted first in his pursuit for you. And so, because I have a very short attention span, I'm not gonna talk about all the other parables. I'm gonna talk about one today. And we're gonna look at the parable of the lost sheep. How many of you are familiar with the parable of the lost sheep? I hope to maybe, maybe have you think of this parable a little bit differently this morning. That's kind of my goal for, for our time together. So context is always key. Whenever you read scripture, make it, take, take a mental note, context is always key. We as humans like to, like to take and cherry pick scripture in order to fit our own agendas. And so whenever you're reading scripture, it's very, very, very important to understand the context of which Jesus is speaking or of which Paul is writing or whoever is is writing in scripture because it's all the inspired word of God what is the context and so for this context we get the context for the parables Luke 15 chapters 1 through 2 where he says now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying this man receives sinners and eats with them everyone take a deep breath. How dare he, right? How dare this man eat with sinners and receive them? Why would this have been a big deal? Why would this have been a big deal? So it's important to know that the Pharisees, these are, these are the, the leaders of the, of the church, they were, they were people who who were, they, they knew the law, they were, they, were, you know, they were trying to make sure that everyone else followed the law. These are people that, quite frankly, thought that they were better than others, okay? So these are, these are the, the people who, who, who looked at sinners, looked at the tax collectors, looked at people who weren't Pharisees, looked at people who weren't Jewish, and they would essentially kick them to the curb and reject them. They genuinely thought that they were better. And then the Pharise- or I'm sorry, the sinners. So the second group of people that Jesus is going to be talking to in this parable are the sinners. That's you and me. Although I think sometimes we have some Pharisaical nature as well. But he's talking to the sinners. These are the people that didn't keep the law. That that kind of rejected the law, that were that that were just thought of, they were just thought of as less than because they were unclean because they didn't do all the things, because they would constantly reject the Pharisees and, and, other, and other people who were righteous. These were unrighteous people. And so Jesus, knowing his audience, knowing the context, begins to eat with sinners. And then they have this accusation of this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus is like, okay, I got an audience, I've got a problem, I'm gonna address it. I'm gonna come to the defense of why I am doing this. So the reason that they're so upset with Jesus is because table fellowship is the most intimate form of fellowship that we can have. So think of it this way. If, you, if someone new comes to Shepherd's Gate and you start to talk, we t- start to talk with them and, and you want to get to know them better, especially for us guys, what do we ask of the other person? Hey, let's go get a beer. Hey, Come over to my wife and I's house, and we'll have dinner, right? You open up to them. You, you welcome them into your home. You become vulnerable. You become more intimate, right? It's the same thing in the, in the Middle East, in this time. There was, there was a, a scholar by the name of Yaakim uh, Jeremias, and he said this. He's a scholar of, again, of the, of the Near East, so he knows all of this. He's been studying it for a very, very, very long time. He says, to invite a man to a meal was an honor, it was an offer of peace, trust, and brotherhood, and forgiveness. Sharing a table meant, quite frankly, sharing life. Thus, Jesus' meals with the publicans, wh- would have been the, the Pharisees and the, and the chief priests, and the sinners are an expression of the mission and the message of Jesus. And he refers to Mark 2, which is when Jesus says that it's not, this, the, not the healthy that need a doctor, but who? the sick the sick need the doctor right so it's the inclusion of sinners in the community of salvation achieved in table fellowship this is the most meaningful expression of the redeeming love of god this is why jesus sitting with sinners eating with sinners and receiving sinners is such a big deal and why it was it was it was frowned upon, that's putting it lightly, frowned upon by the Pharisees because Jesus is not supposed to be with those people. But yet Jesus is saying, no, this is the, this, these are the people that, came, that I came to save. Jesus came for sinners. Amen. Jesus came for sinners. So he's hanging out with them. So coming to their defense, he tells this parable. He says, what man of you than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Mic drop, right? I love this because what you see in like the back, particularly in the back half of Luke, uh, Luke, Luke has, a, has kind of a, a theme going through it where Jesus' face is set towards Jerusalem, which means that it's set towards what? The cross. So he knows darn well where he's going. But on his way, he's going to make sure that he condemns the Pharisees for their, for their attitudes. He's going to condemn the people that are, that are righteous, right? He's going to do all of that. So right out of the gate, what I love about this, he's, he calls the Pharisees shepherds. You might not see it right away. He says, but what man of you having a hundred sheep? You are a shepherd. You have sheep. He's calling out the Pharisees' ideologies about shepherds, who, which meant you know, they thought that shepherds were unclean, that they weren't willing to be associated with. But he's also calling out their attitudes about sinners. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, has lost one will not go and get it? So the shepherd leaves the 99. He goes off into the, into the country, and he continues to look, he continues to look, and he continues to look, looking behind bushes, looking under rocks, all that stuff, until he finds the sheep. And when he finds the sheep, what happens? He rejoices naturally, right? Thank you, Jesus, for that obvious thing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep that was lost. I found my sheep that was lost. See, everyone is rejoicing because a flock would have been owned by not just the person, but the other people in, in the family, in the town, they would, have, they would have been just as upset about the sheep being lost as well. But they're not just excited about the sheep being found, they're also excited because the shepherd is back. Because the shepherd leaving to go off into the wilderness by just himself was dangerous. It was, it was bold, You didn't know if he was going to come back. And so they're rejoicing that he's back too. And the community rejoices that they're both safe. And everyone, he says, just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is where the parable starts to turn. And for years... I read this parable wrong. Because I look at this and I go it's about the other person, it's about the other person. I'm in the 99, so I'm good. And I'll bet you that there are people sitting on this side of the room that are looking at people on this side of the room. <laughs> Y'all are laughing, but I'm serious. This parable is about him. This parable is about them. This parable is about my wife. This parable is about the person in my office that hasn't accepted Jesus yet. This parable is about the person who won't repent. This parable is about the person who continues to walk away from Jesus. So, what is this parable about then? Is it about us? Is it about that person? Is it about the righteous? Is it about the unrighteous? Is it about the lost? Is it about joy? Is it about repentance? Is it about grace and love? You know what the answer is? Yes. Yes. Just like many of Jesus' parables, the answer is yes. That is about that. There's a couple things that I just want us to just consider before, before we kind of drive home what, what Jesus is, what, kind of what the heart of this parable is. So things to consider as you're going through this parable and thinking of this parable. Number one is that there is joy in restoration. So Jesus, I'm sorry, the shepherd goes out. He doesn't stop until he finds the sheep. And he, when he finds it, he what? Rejoices. Do you know why he's rejoicing? It's not just because he found it. But he knew that there was going to be a burden in bringing it back home. Because if a sheep leaves and a sheep is lost, what is going to end up happening is as the shepherd is trying to bring it home, the sheep is going to resist. The sheep is going to lay down, play dead. And how many, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to lift a sheep and put it on your shoulders. It's tough work. That's why farmers are much stronger than me. <laughs> right? They know that he knows that it's going to be a burden to restore him. He know, the shepherd knows that bringing the sheep home is going to have a cost, but he rejoices in that cost. So what we see here is what Jesus does for you. We see Jesus, who looks and looks and soughts after you, throws you on his shoulder, knowing that it's going to be costly for him, but he does it in joy. He suffers for you in joy and brings you home in joy. In this parable, and for us, there is no restoration without the suffering of the shepherd. That's point number one to think about joy in restoration. The next thing gracious love. This is the love that, that we know all too well, right? God loves me as a sinner. God wants me to do all the things. God, God has a plan for me. The gracious love of, of God is that he never stops pursuing you. He will do all the things to find you. He will do all the things to, rejo- to, to, to bring you in, to restore you, and even then, he's continuing to rejoice even when you continue to wander off out of gracious love. And then we get to the R word. Repentance. Who likes talking about repentance? I don't like talking about repentance because that means that I screwed up. You don't like talking about repentance because that means you have to own your faults. So what is Jesus talking about here? Who who, who is to repent? Repent. What is the nature of repenting? If you think that Jesus is talking about 99 people who don't need to repent, that statement is meant to be ironic. That's just the lost sheep that needs to repent. And so you might, again, might be thinking, I know someone that needs to repent. I know someone that needs to hear this parable. I know someone, I'm gonna go home, and I'm gonna tell someone, whoever I need to tell to tune in Shepherd's Gate's website to watch Pastor Tyler, because Pastor Tyler's telling you that you need to repent. You're thinking that. But what does Isaiah say in chapter 53, verse six? He says, all of us are like sheep, and all of us have what? Gone astray. So if you think that you are not in need of repentance, repent. Okay? We are all sheep that have gone astray. Every single one of us continuously reject Jesus. When you make a decision and you don't consult the will of God or pray for the will of God and you just go off on a whim and you make a mistake, or you choose what's easy rather than what's godly. Or you stop coming to church. Or whatever it may be, you, you love your neighbor because of what it makes how it makes you feel rather than serving the Lord. When you reject Jesus, you walk away from him. But we have a shepherd that doesn't let us walk. He comes after us. This is what this parable is. He comes after you. He seeks after you when you are lost. And so the question that I want to ask for you this morning, are you lost right now? Are you lost right now? What does that look like for you? Maybe, Maybe you're here at Shepherd's Gate for the first time. Because you're lost. You don't know where to go. Maybe, maybe you, you're here. Maybe you, you, you're trying to figure out this, this Christianity thing, and someone said, hey, Pastor Tim's a cool guy. Come see, come see Shepherds Gate. They have great music. Come see Shepherds Gate. And you're just trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing. Or maybe you, you, had the, you thought you had the Christianity thing figured out, and then 2020 happened, and now you're wondering, what the heck is this Christianity thing? I thought I knew, but maybe I don't actually know what it is. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by someone who says that they're a Christian. The family of God, we have people that are like that every single day. They've been rejected by Christians. And so they come to hang out with the sinners. People who have are outcasts. People who, honestly, society couldn't care less about because they've been hurt by the church and by Christians. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe someone has told you that you better repent, that you better be good, you better do all the things You better find Jesus because hell is full of people who don't repent. Maybe you've been told that. Maybe you've said that. But what is repentance anyway? Jesus tells us in this parable, repentance is nothing more than being found by the shepherd. You can't do any of that. You can't save yourself The only thing that you can do is walk away. You can't save yourself. You can't find Jesus. You can't accept Jesus. Jesus comes to you, Jesus seeks after you. Jesus does all the work. Because if you are a lost sheep, and I know you are, because we all are, you're not just a lost sheep, because you know what a lost sheep is considered in this time? A dead sheep. A dead sheep. In your sin, you are a dead sheep. You cannot do anything. Did the sheep ask the shepherd to find him? No. The shepherd goes after him. The shepherd searches and does not stop. And when he finds him, he still has to put him on the shoulders because the sheep doesn't want to go. Does that sound like us? I was hoping for yes. (laughs) That's us. Apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing. You can do nothing. You are dead. And so, this parable may be about repentance, but what it's really about is God's determination to move before you do. There's an author that I have been reading a lot lately. His name is Robert Capon. And he had this to say about these parables of grace. He says, in none of these parables is anything except the will of God portrayed as necessary to the new life and joy. Neither the lostness nor the deadness nor the repentance is in itself redemptive. God alone gives life, and he gives it freely and fully on no conditions whatsoever. There is in them not a single note of earning or merit, not one breath about rewarding the rewardable, correcting the correctable, or improving the improvable. There is only the saving, I'm sorry, the gracious saving determination of the shepherd to raise the dead sin kills you in sin you are dead but because jesus comes to you dies for you takes on your sin dies for you and rises you too rise you too are raised to new life because of what jesus has done not what you have done because you can't contribute anything Martin Luther says that you can, that the only thing that man contributes to his salvation is sin and resistance. So good job. (laughs) So good job. Because Jesus comes to you when you can't help yourself. It is God that does all of the work. It is God who creates you. It is God who seeks you. It is God who sends Jesus to you. It's Jesus who takes on everything. It's Jesus who dies. It's Jesus who rises. It's Jesus who ascends into heaven. And friends, it is Jesus who promises to come back for you. This is the promise of the gospel. This is the hope that we have. In the two most important words of scripture, this is done for you. It's done for you. Jesus does all of this for you. I hope that you are maybe seeing repentance in a little bit of a different light. I hope that you're understanding that repentance is not something that that you have to do. Well, you better repent. It's not how it works. Repentance is acknowledging that you can do nothing. Repentance is acknowledging that it is only Jesus that can save. It's acknowledging that apart from Christ, you are dead. And that in order for us to be raised to life, We need Jesus to come to us. And as we get prepared to celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes, that's exactly what Jesus does for you. He is coming to you in his true body and his true blood. He does this for you. Comes to you, rescues you, and absolves you. And he sets you free from sin, from shame, from guilt, from death. And what we just sang a few moments ago, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Friends, on account of Jesus, you are forgiven. When you walk away from Jesus, when you are selfish instead of selfless, you are forgiven for that. So what must we do now? How do we, what do we do with this freedom? What do we do? We have an opportunity For step out and serve. Right Walked right into that one, didn't you? <laughs> on, a grander ske- on a grander scale, yes, step out and serve is certainly very, very important. But on a grander scale, you have an opportunity to share this freedom with others. You have an opportunity to love people that are different than you, to love people who are less than you. And uh, August 21st, 22nd, there's, I think Ron said there's 35 different sites, eight of them of which are in Detroit. One of them is Family of God, and we have been blessed beyond measure by, by Shepherd's Gate in the past. I would encourage you because you are living in in the freedom and the security of Christ, being found by the shepherd, being raised to new life, try something different. Leave the 99. Leave the 99. Leave what's comfortable. Leave what's familiar and do something that's going to challenge you that's going to make you think about your relationship with Jesus in a whole new way. Don't calculate it, do it. That's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't calculate, he does, out of compassion for you. And I'll leave you with this. We don't serve because it's a requirement for salvation because it's not, saved by grace alone and faith alone on account of Christ alone, which is revealed to us in scripture alone. We serve because Christ has first served us. We seek because Christ has first sought us. We love because Christ first loved us. Christ has given all things for us out of that love. And it's in that love that Jesus has looked at each and every one of you. And he has rescued you from the desert of death. And by the power of his resurrection, he therefore puts you on his shoulders. And he carries you, he carries you home with him, and in him. So where are you going to serve? Who are you going to tell about that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you that you counted it joy to, to leave the 99 and to come look for us. Lord, as we know that we stray time and time and time again, Lord, but you never stop pursuing us. Lord, we thank you that, that you are coming to us in just a few moments in your supper, the true body and blood that you have given to us for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we pray that you would, it would be you, it would be your spirit that compels us to serve our neighbors, not because it's a requirement for us, but because of what you have done for us, we can't not do it. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you give to us so that we can share those gifts with others. Lord, we pray all of this in your son Jesus' name.